it's a, it's a prophetic time we're in of what God is speaking to this country. There's been a lot of confirmations that has been said to us. And the, the confirmations just go, mm, yes, in our hearts. Someone encouraging and just us to hold on. You know, don't sell your birthright, South Africa. Hold on. Just hold on. God is going to come through for you as a nation and as a people. And these are the words that are coming through. So what I've felt to do this morning is to hear from different prophetic voices that have um, been feeling and hearing things for us as a community. And remember that everything that God speaks to us as a community is not just for our benefit. It's so that we can influence and do things in the city and this community and continue doing things according to how God has called us and raised us up to do. Amen. So I've got two different people here this morning that are going to share with us. We've got um, Helen and Kevin and their son Daniel that's with us this morning from uh, Connections Church in Fishhook, where Martin is now leading that church community. I've known Helen and Kevin, it goes way back to Peter Maritzburg days, I think even before I was married. So that's 20 plus years ago when they used to live in Peter Maritzburg. So we've known them. And Helen, Helen felt a word that for the Bay, uh, when I was preaching there on Sunday morning, the 8th of May, and after I'd preached, she shared a word with Martin and said, I'm just feeling this for the Bay. And we received that word and we've kind of hung on it for a couple of weeks and, uh, or months now. And I just felt the timing was right to share it today and what God is saying. Then I've had Ray Partridge who also... Um, used to live in Peter Maritzburg and be in the same church as Kevin and Helen from Peter Maritzburg. So I don't know how that works, but I mean, I think 25 years ago, we had no plan that you'd be standing on the same stage here together this morning. Look how God works. It is quite amazing. Then I want to share with you a dream that somebody shared with me this last week or two weeks ago, which I feel is very pertinent to us as a community. That's why I shared this morning a little bit of, you know, well done. You guys have held out. We've held out despite what's played out. Despite what's happening around us, we've stood firm. And it starts with that belt of truth. I saw, I saw a belt and a buckle in the spirit. I'm like, okay, because he's looking at a Roman soldier going, look, this is how you would, you, would, you would stand firm. And the first thing you do is you put on your belt because it holds the whole armory and all your kind of stuff together. And we've been, we've been tested for truth eh, in this last season. And look where we are. We're not deceived. We're not wayward. We're standing firm on what God has said. And the only offensive weapon there is the sword. It's the only thing. And the rest is you just stand firm. It's like that little, come, come, bring it. <laughs> come. It's not, it's not arrogance. It's we stand. And we wield that sword, which is the word of God. That's why when we sing truth of the words, it, it elevates in our spirits and our souls of the truth of God, what he's saying to us. Amen. Okay, so it's going to be a couple of different voices. I want to invite Helen to come and stand with us. Let's welcome her as she's come with her family here this morning. Thank you for being with us, okay? Don't be nervous. Relax. These are nice people. They're tough to look at, I know, and stuff, but they're good people. And we really honor your heart for following through of what you had felt. You could have very easily have gone... Yeah, okay, good word, and just kind of and left it and stuff. But it's, I feel it's, it's pertinent to what you're speaking and to what God is saying to us as a community at this time. So go for it. Yeah, I'll just sit behind you on the keyboard. If, you, if I start playing the piano, then you know. Huh? <laughs> so I just want to bring you greetings. I always wondered when you speak at a different church and they say, oh, we bring greetings from our church. Is that for real? And I was, I was chatting to Martin yesterday and 
he says, please give the Bay greetings from him and Roxy particularly. Uh, he says, you guys hold a very special place in his heart. And then also from Connections Church, um, they send their greetings and their love to you guys. And just it's such a privilege that we can actually connect as churches across the valley um, and across the city. So, so that is very awesome. I need to rearrange your stage, if you don't mind. Yeah, I just need one of these things. Without nothing. Yeah. I like visuals. I like visuals. Yeah, that's cool. So, yeah, when, when Sheldon came and preached at Connections, that night I hardly slept. And I woke up and I had such a burden to pray for you guys as a church. And this is the word that I felt God speaking. So, we're going to go to Hosea chapter 2. Now, when I was a young Christian, one of the very first scriptures that I memorized was about faith. And it's that one that says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. And it's an awesome, powerful scripture, and it's such a good definition of faith. But I felt that there are people here, when you hear someone preaching about faith, your heart sinks. And you go, I just haven't got faith for that thing anymore. I haven't got faith for that thing anymore. But it says faith is the substance of things hoped for. And when we lose hope, we lose faith. When we lose hope, we, we lose that ability to hold on to God for things. And I just what I felt was God saying to bring hope, to bring hope. So Hosea 2, verse 14 and 15, it says, Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her vineyards and make the valley of Achor a door of hope. And there she shall answer as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. And that line there, I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. And that word Achor means trouble. I will make the, the valley of trouble a door of hope. And so what I've done is, if you draw a timeline from there through this, this stage to over there, here is the cross of Christ. Over here is the second coming of Christ. So over here, this side, I'm going to call the then. Then we've got the now. This is the time we're living in. And over here, it keeps going till eternity. We're living in eternity now. But the then is the, it's the I mean, this is the not yet. It has not yet come to pass. Jesus has not yet come the second time. So what, what happens here is Hosea is sta standing in the then, and he's looking back to the valley of Achor. So we're going to look at what actually happened there. And then he's looking forward, and he says, I will make that valley into a door of hope. And what do we know about Jesus? He says, I am the door of the sheep in John 10. I am the door of the sheep. So we're going to go and just in Joshua 6, I mean 6 and 7, I haven't got time to read it now. Joshua 6, the Israelites come out of Egypt and they, they fight Jericho. And Joshua says to the Israelites, 
do not take any of the devoted things for yourselves. And what happens is that Achan takes some of that stuff. Achan takes some of that stuff and he, he keeps it under his tent. He hides it. Then the Israelites go up and they're going to go and fight the city of Ai. And because of Achan's sin, 35, 36 men die. This is Joshua chapter 7. 36 men die because of his sin. And Joshua goes up and he inquires of God, what has happened? Because of this, even your name is being dragged through the mud, basically. And long story, they go around and they find Achan and he confesses his sin. And because of his sin, he, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his livestock, his sheep, all get stoned and burned with fire because of his sin. So 36 men have died. All their families are affected. His sons, his daughters, his family, and his livestock are all affected because of the sin thing. And Hosea stands here, and he looks back, and he says, that value of trouble that is brought on by sin, I will take that. And he looks forward, and he says, Jesus, I will make that into a door of hope. And what happens when we sin is it affects ourselves, it affects other people, and it affects the natural world around us. So when we come to the cross, all of us in our lives, whether you were five years old when you accepted Jesus, or whether, like me, you were 19, or even later, we come to the cross, and we have a then, and we're moving into a now. When we get to this point at the cross, we are given a heart of flesh. We have a new heart. That heart of stone is, is taken away. It belongs to that place. And at this point, we start our walk into eternity. But what we sometimes forget is that in the now, we still have this physical body. And this is where our struggle comes in. And we lose hope. Because someone over there sinned, and it's affected us. Because someone over there sinned, that maybe was me, and I'm now walking. I know God's forgiven me, but I'm walking with guilt and shame in this now. And I felt for you guys, people here, you, you, you've dealt with sin. Maybe you were an abuser. You abused other people. God forgave you. He gave you a new heart, but you're walking in this time now, and you've got this guilt and the shame. And Jesus says, I am your door of hope. I am your door of hope. Maybe you were back there and you were abused by someone else. Maybe you're struggling with addictions and you're going, I don't know how to walk free in this time. Because the thing is, in the then, when we are in heaven, there's no separation with the Father. There's no more crying. There's no more sin. There's no injustice. There's no death. And we kind of think that that has to stop happening here. But in this place, there's sickness, but there's also healing. And how do we reconcile that? We have a new heart. We have this body of flesh. We're looking at the second coming. So we also are in a place of, we look back, we see back there the valley of trouble. We see over here, Jesus, our door of hope, and we step through it and we have this heart of flesh.
but we still have struggles, we still have suffering. But Jesus says, do not lose heart, do not lose hope, because there is this time over here when this body also will be transformed, and we will be transformed. We will meet him in the clouds, and we will go together into eternity. So, so my heart for you guys was really, if you're, if you're caught in sin, come to the cross again and trust him because there is hope in Jesus. He says in, in John 10, I am the door of the sheep and you will come in and out. We've got to step through the doorway. What happens with the door? It's shut behind us at night to keep the darkness out. It's opened in the daytime so we can move through. Jesus is your door of hope. And I really felt as well that if there are people struggling with addictions, and I'm not just talking about drugs, it might be sleeping tablets, it might be pornography, whatever that addiction is, Jesus is saying, now is the time. Don't bury that thing any longer. Come and bring it to Sheldon. Bring it to the elders. And I really felt God is going to give you strategy in dealing with addiction. It's, it's, not, it's not something you are to do on your own. It's something that God wants to speak life and freedom. And some of you guys who are struggling with addiction, God might deliver you like that. But for some of you, it's going to be a process that you're going to have to walk through because you're living in this now. But God is going to give you guys as a church strategy and just that sense of it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. You guys who are struggling with addiction, God is going to use you in the future to help other people to get through this. So, okay, so there's a book called Chasing the Dragon by a woman called Jackie Pullinger. And she goes to Hong Kong, to the world city, and she, she has a ministry with heroin, ad, heroin addicts. And they get into these groups, and it's not like this major program that they walk through. They pray in tongues. They pray in the spirit for each other. And God delivers from addiction. And I really felt like that is part of the strategy for you guys. It might not be the whole thing, but God is going to use just praying in the spirit for deliverance of addiction in this church. So the other thing I felt was this whole thing of Achan's sin bringing destruction even on the livestock and the creation. And I felt that there are people or a person or someone here who's thinking of studying the environment or who is in, in working in, in terms of the environment and you've lost hope. You've lost that sense of, why am I doing this? Does God even care? Why did the livestock have to die? And God says he does care. Scripture says that creation eagerly awaits the revealing of the sons of Christ. And for whoever that is, just such a sense of do not lose God as the focus. When you go and you study, he is so for you for this. And his purpose is that you would use what you learn to point people from creation to him. That it's not the creation that's the main thing. It's Jesus who's the main thing, and he wants to use you. So do not lose hope, whoever you are. Okay, I'm going to go to Romans 5 from verse 1. And it says, Therefore, 
Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. From this point, the cross, we have peace with God. You might stand in the now and you're going, this does not feel very peaceful because I'm struggling with this, this, and this, but you have peace with God and you can look forward and there's still hope for that place of no crying, no sickness, no injustice. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. There's hope. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings because we're living in the now. There is suffering in the world. Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And because Jesus came and he died on the cross, we have the Holy Spirit to help us in this now period. In this period until the second coming, we have the Holy Spirit. So that is the word that I felt God speaking to you guys as a church. Because he doesn't want this just for you. He wants this to go further. And there's a reason why I asked Helen to come and share that specifically because God spoke to me last year about their sin in the camp. Remember that? I've been speaking about it a lot. Okay, and what is the word we had earlier this year from Ilana? Get your house in order. Get your house in order. And God's speaking to us. Why He's talking to us? Because He doesn't want us to go into battle without Him and lose. Okay, and that's why I'm saying to you this morning, you've stood firm. You've stood firm, okay? Because what's coming ahead for us, we will gain victories. We will gain more victories when we walk according to what God is saying to us. And something that has been resonating, and I'll invite Ray, you can come. I'll put the pulpit in the middle now, but. What God has been saying to me, and I've just been hearing in my ear a lot over the last little while, is this line that you see in Revelation a couple of times, where it says in uh, it's Revelation 3 uh, to one of the churches. It says, he who has an ear, let him hear. What the Spirit says to the churches. That's just been ringing in my ear. What is the Spirit saying to the church at this time? And if you listen to what people are saying prophetically, get your house in order. And all the things that God is doing and showing us because he wants us to go into battle and we will be victorious of what, he get, what he's got in store for us. Amen. Also from Peter Maritzburg. <laughs> yeah, so 96, as a family, we landed in South Africa, went to Maritzburg. And in Maritzburg, there was a, the churches were given the old prison and they used it then for development. And one of the first people I met was Helen. And uh, she was on staff at Project Gateway, as it was then. And then um, Kevin did some beautiful sign writing on the outside of the entrance to the old prison. And it was very cool to be here. And what Helen shared, I'm going to change or get your mind thinking something different. But just don't lose it. If God's really spoken to you, somehow write it down, um, put it in your heart, make sure you do something with it. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, in the building waiting for, waiting for somebody and I was listening to 
that prophetic clip that Sheldon sent through to us about the guy who's coming, actually be here tomorrow night. And I was listening and hearing, and I was thinking, this is amazing, it's exciting, that God is going to do something really special, as we believe, in, our, in this country, in South Africa. And, and I, was standing in, I was standing here, walking around, thinking about some things, and I was reminded of the sense I've had, and maybe others have had, that we as a church, basically a church, are going to experience, experience something um, particularly special with God moving, um, and maybe something that's going to be greater than just for us as a church community. I believe it's going to be for us to show and be a, a, a base for reaching and people from the city coming to look and see. Actually, I believe it, um, it's my sense, I'm, not, I'm putting my neck on the line a bit here, but I felt like what it was, it's going to be something that's going to be actually where the nation will become a knock on the door and say, what is God, what we've heard, what God's doing. In fact, <laughs> I believe that it might have, we'll have global visitors coming to see what is God doing here in Musenberg. So I really believe that in my heart, and I put my neck on the line, and, um, but for a purpose, I think. So I, I was sitting here saying, saying, well, God, well, what is it? We've had Toronto blessings. We've had um, other things really pointed. What is it that you, believe, that, that God, that you want to do? And I, I felt God say to me, um, and you need to wear it, and evidence will show, but I felt it was a, that God was, is going to do a powerful move with our young people and children in this, in this, in this church. Um, I, was, I looked at the register this morning, because Joe's not here, so I had to just make sure everything was in order. There's nearly... 300 children registered and if you look at the young people I think what do you get on a Friday night 100 maybe yep so there's a massive impact of young lives that we as a church community are are involved with <clears throat> but I believe that's what God's going to do there's going to be a redeeming of our young people I believe a mighty outpouring We'll see healings, we'll see miracles, we'll see revelations, and many coming to know King Jesus. I believe we're going to see a generation switch in front of our eyes. Instead of watching screens, they'll be worshipping the King. Instead of gaming, there's going to be gospel advance. Instead of vaping, there's going to be victory over Satan and all the other addictions. I believe that God's going to use social media, which we sometimes despise, for his kingdom. We'll see a transformation in TikTok as people will be expressing their love for Jesus and worship of, King, of the King Jesus. I'm sure there are more recent social media apps that I, don't, I can't even remember the names of, but all those things, I believe that God's going to do a transformation and use of those medias that we think bad of. I think we as a church community 
need, to need a change in our mindsets and get rid of old wineskins of what church is about. So if I'm over 25, what does that mean? If you're over 25, what does that mean? Firstly, I believe God wants, wants to give you a passion for youth and children. Secondly, God wants to, to tell us, do not be a stumbling block. Because if you are, stick a big stone around your neck and throw it and jump in the sea. Because I'd be better off doing that. That's what the Bible says. But also I believe God wants us to be a powerful example to our young people. To show how to love Jesus. To show how to love each other. To show how to love the world. And to show how to be on mission. This next thought, I don't know if it's original from my heart or whether I've heard someone say it, but I really sense as we walk with God, our ceiling is going to be the platform for the next generation. So what does that mean? The higher we push, the more we go in God, the further we go in God, it's a, it's a higher place for our young people to start from. So be prepared for what God wants to do. Be encouraged and let's just pray that God will help us really capture this and really see and be committed to our young people. So that's, and why does, God, why does God share these things? I think it's really to encourage us, to give us vision, um, to, yeah, just to really help us to really pray into these things and seek God for these things. God sh shows us these things for our encouragement. Amen. I think I'm, I'm done. Yeah, you might, you might not feel they connect, but they do. Helen and Ray's word. And I'll share this dream with this lady that I don't really know very well. I just bumped into her a couple of weeks but prior to that, and then she dreamt about me and the bays specifically. And, and when Ray shared that word with me, I don't know, two weeks ago, he voice noted me, and speaking about our, our children's work and our youth, it's something, something resonated in me. But... If we don't adhere to what Helen has spoken to us, we will walk into this and not have victory. We will come up in a battle and lose because there's sin in our hearts and our camp. And we want to go where God wants to lead us, but we'll go in our own strength. Because what sin creates is self-centeredness. You're, you're always worried about yourself. You're always worried about me and what I'm going through because you're trying to, in your own self, trying to get right with God all the time. Okay, live in righteousness. You are right with God. Okay, that will never change. We've heard Farnas go over and over. Your standing is never ever going to change. It's this doing justice with one another where it plays out. We explained and shared that with you last week. Okay, and if we're going to go forward and what God is saying to us and we deal with things in our own hearts and we walk through with a clear conscience and purity, and Psalm 24, I've said it a lot here, it's clean hands. Pure hearts, but no one ever quotes these next two. They always only say clean hands and pure hearts. Psalm 24 keeps going. It says, who hasn't given himself to anything that's false, where there's no deceit in you? 
Those are, those are a bit deeper. We lead people, we're not leading you astray here. We're leading you on this timeline towards the day where we will be appearing in the clouds and we all be taken up with him. But we've got work to do in the now. And when Ray shared that with me, you know, you know the one area of the bay that has struggled, and for those that have been around for 29 years, yeah, the one area that struggled is our children and our youth. And it's been like that for years. Why? Because there's an enemy who doesn't want to see this young generation come forth. And God's speaking to us. He's saying, he's putting it to us. Yeah, our worship band, you know, the worship band has never been under assault. There's always had musicians, we always have a flow. It's always just a flow of people and it's effort, we do it. But there's the area where we lack is with our children and our youth. And there's stuff going to be coming up in the next few months. We'll share it with God's family days that we will do, where we will give people opportunities to respond and how we will partner with our young people. God's got to give us strategy and how we help the younger generation not to be, not to fall into the traps of addiction. And we've got stories of that who have come through. We've got stories to tell the younger generation. Don't, don't go that way, but we can't tell them what to do. We have to run with them. And so this lady who, she's from Hout Bay, and I bumped into her, and I had a chat with her a couple of weeks ago about this dream, and she dreamt I was standing, and we were standing in the foyer together, in the building, yeah, in this building. And uh, we were talking about stuff, and then the conversation went along the lines of, I was starting to talk about expansion. And she's like, oh, wow, that's, that's, that's amazing. And... Uh, and she said, so I said, well, do you want to see? You know, we've, we've, we've got a section on the building. And she said, cool. So we walked through this hall, and on the end, on that wall over there, was a big blue door. And I took her through this blue door, and I opened that door into an area. Now, you see, dreams are, are um, they're not literal. Okay, everything, everything is, Neil's looking that way. That's a nature reserve. We'll never build there. We'll never build there, okay? He's looking, yeah, but you can't. You've got three meters to work with. How's that going to look, eh? You know? But all dre- or everything in dreams is symbolic, okay, of what God is speaking and saying. So I opened this door, and it was a dimly lit, but it was a massive area. Vast, she says. Massive. Like you could see, like down there. And in this room was all these amusement park theme rides for children, and they were all just lying there waiting, like plenty of them, just all on our left-hand side. So as we walked down, left-hand side. And then a little bit further down, she saw um, these bigger rides, like these big metal like, poles that were up. But like she said, the one rise looked like this thing called the octopus. You know, I don't know, these things that coil over the place and whatever. But it was all these children's rides, like a carousel where you sit on the horses and these swings and all these things that play out. And she said all that needed to happen was one flick of a switch needed to turn on, the whole thing would come to life. But I said to her in the dream is that it's not yet time to take on this stuff. We've just got to wait for the right time before we can access this. We've just got to kind of wait on things before they kind of, it wasn't out of, oh, woe is me. It was just out of, we must just wait for the right timing. This vast area. And in the far right-hand corner of this area, there was a corner office. And it was my, my dad's office. And now if you know my dad, my folks planted this bay, the, the bay in 1993, and Kathleen and I took over leadership in 2004. So there's a long heritage with my dad and the, the heart that they had for this community. S- sorry, what did I say? 2014. Sorry, not 2004. 2014. I'd have far more gray hair if it had been that long. I actually probably would have been bald. Anyway, <clears throat> but um, the far corner office, 
And again, it had a bluish gray door. And she said, let me lead you in. And I said, no, this is my dad's office. And I'll be kind of taking this office over in due time. And the office had a beautiful glass windows all the way around, looking out into a mountain view, which is pretty much there. And just, it was very tranquil and beautiful. And there was a kind of laptop on the desk. And she kind of thought, wow, that's nice to be able to just leave that lying here. No one would take it, which is an interesting thought. But that's how we live. <clears throat> and then when we came out, she says, this is where it's weirded out a little bit. But I can see the relevance. Her, her late dad was lying on one of these big machines with all the big pillars, and he was lying there, and he was snoring, sleeping. And she said, oh, I don't know what that means. And I'm like, I know exactly what it means. The generation that are going ahead, it's not time for you to sleep. It's not time for you to rest, okay, because of the generation. You are the ceiling for them to stand upon. We can't be caught napping in this time. So when we walked back out, and we walked out through this area, and she was wearing a top that, her, and she never says, never wears a top like this, but her shoulder was open, and as she walked out, a drop of water kind of landed on her shoulder. She's like, oh, that's interesting. So she tasted it, and in her, in her dream, the words were, oh, this is sweet water. Sweet water. And this is the line that her dream, and God said to her in her dream, this is the line that her, her dream ended with. It's not a leak in the natural it is the weight of want I'm wanting to soak into this place, starting to seep through. It cannot be contained. We've been tearing, folks, for a long time, trusting and waiting what God is going to do. I, I believe this, and Ray, you're putting your neck on the line, you say that. I don't know what that looks like. Neck on the line would be standing on your neck saying, good luck. But it's, it's, it's in hope, it's in faith we're saying these things. God is wanting to do a work through our children and our youth. And he's getting our attention now. Saying, are you up for this? Are you up for what this is? The heart that we've got to young Richie who has dreams. God speaks to him. Talks to him. Are we going to hear these voices? Are we going to understand and prepare them for what God has got in store for us? And we've been tarrying and waiting. But this thing about the water was very interesting for me. The thing of sweet water. Because in 2016, on the 21st of March, 2016, Chuck Pierce was here. And he's a renowned prophetic voice around the nations through the exact person that's bringing this Dr. Kine and Bridges here tomorrow night. A lady by the name of Dr. Pearl Coupe. Some of you might have known her and seen her around. She arranged through last time, and we had her in this building. That's why she phoned me and said, hey, could we come back again? It's a place that we all know will house the prophetic and what God wants to say across the city and this nation. I was like, hey, we're up for it. It's not insignificant that he's here tomorrow. Okay? It's not for us again. Remember, it's not for us. It's not like we're grabbing for our own, yeah, 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 you know, God do with us. No, if he does with us, the city benefits and the nation benefits as the ecclesia arises with his hope of what God is speaking to his people in this time of the season. Now, the drop of the water, when Chuck Pierce was here, he called this house an Elisha house. Okay, so the thing with Elisha is that he took on the mantle from the previous generation. So there's something of the generation that have gone forward. You've got to pass the mantle to the under-25s to say, we will, we will help you run. We will help you walk. And, and there was the double portion over Elisha's life. He did twice the amount of miracles. Not that that means a double portion, but he did twice the amount of miracles that Elijah did. 
and continued walking in what God has did. But the very first miracle that Elisha did is that he went to Jericho and there was a little stream. And I've actually been to that exact stream in Jericho that flows there, the spring that's flowing out. The people said the water is bad. That's bad water. And so he asked for a new bowl and salt and he put salt into the, into the spring and the water came out clean and refreshed. So this relates, you see, to what we did on the 19th or the 20th of April in 2019 where we took the 42 kilometers radius points around our city. We stuck that tent peg in the ground. God, extend the tent of your people over the city and we poured out water from our spring as water that is good water for the city so that they would drink of the goodness of what God is. And there's another passage that relates to this. So the story about Elisha is in 2 Kings 2.19. And I didn't, let me read it for context. It says, Now the men of the city said to Elisha, Behold, the situation, of this, the, sit, the situation of the city is pleasant, as my Lord sees, but the water is bad. It's interesting at the moment, the water in Cape Town is bad. And the land is unfruitful because of the water. He said, bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. So they brought them and they went to the spring of water and they threw salt in it and, and, and said, thus says the Lord, I have healed this water. From now on, neither death nor miscarriage shall come forth from it. So the water has been healed to this day according to the word that Elisha spoke. You see, our heart is that the city would be healed, that people will walk in wholeness of God. Then the story in Exodus 15, when Moses is, um, and let me read the passage. And Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink water, the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah, which means bitter, bitterness. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, Well, what shall we drink? Again, the people moaning and moaning and moaning. And he cried to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a log, actual piece of wood. And he threw it in the water, and the water became sweet. Then the Lord made them a statute and a rule. And I listened to this. And there he tested them, and saying that if you diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, his rules, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. And see that whole shifting from bitter water to sweet water. And that's what God has wanted to do with us. This is a place where you can come and drink. I was talking to Robin just as you we were doing the welcome. I said every, every, and I said Robin a few times because he sits behind me and is just a nice person to talk to. I said, for 29 years, you know, 29 years now we've welcomed people every Sunday. Every Sunday we welcome, where are you from, where are you from? It's all great, still happy. It can get a bit tedious if you do it week after week, but we're happy to see you. But every week we have people here from all over different places. And you know, I said to Robin, I said, you know what happens here? This place has been called a well. And people come for seasons. They might not want to stay. They come and drink from this well and God makes them whole and they go. They find healing. That's why we welcome. That's why we want you to drink of this well and to be a part of what God has done and is continued to doing. This is a place, a spring of sweet water that people will taste of the goodness of God. That he was saying to us. So we need to open, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And what is he saying to us? 
the generation coming forth, they are carrying something. And we need to hear what God is saying. Now, we're trying to think automatically programs. It's not going to work through a program. We just have to hear what God's saying to us. And His Spirit will lead us. He will give us strategies, like Helen's saying, of how to help and how to overcome addictions, how to see people walk in wholeness. He will give us strategies of what to do, and we will see this generation arise. There's a responsibility on us people. Like Dr. Keenan, who's coming here tomorrow, he was up in Joburg. I watched this thing on Friday night. He says, I'm not here to play games, man. I'm not here to play games. Don't give me like we're in a soccer stadium. It's woohoo, all fun and nice. No, no, we had to do business for the Lord. He's on assignment, man. And we have assignments for the Lord. And you plug your heart into this community because we have an assignment. And I know I see Corin there, your heart for the young people. And she prays, she intercedes for the young people. God will show us what to do, that these guys can come forth knowing the goodness of God. So whoever is under 25 that's still in the hall here this morning, I want you to stand up. And we want to pray over you this morning as we finish off. And Trace, have we got that um, declaration ready and stuff? Yeah. Are you happy to go and do it? All the under 25s. There we go. Now remembering, guys, we, we, we have a big problem at the Bay. We have a massive problem. We have over, I don't know if it's as many as us, 300. Okay, that's right. Okay, so people have visited once or not, but we have 300 young children registered. In Aiden's age group from 10 to 12-year-olds, there are 99. There's 100 kids registered in just one age group. If they all arrive on the same day, we've got a big problem. I mean, it's a good problem, but it's a problem. Okay, and we need to trust God for expansion. We need to build. We need to be trusting. We believe in God to do stuff for us so that we can serve this generation that they know the truth and the goodness of our God. Hey? So I want you all to look, and everyone around this room, look at these guys. Look at these guys around this room. Remember, I started this meeting by going, a piece of art has only got value because of the interest people place in it. I want to tell you, everybody that's over, under, over 20, under 25 here, we're looking at you because we've got interest in you. There's value on you guys because God has got His hand upon you. He's got a plan for you, and He wants to use you in this time. He wants to use you. And it's not like now tomorrow it just all happens. It's a journey that you go through. You walk with this community, and this community will help you find strength. And we encourage you, we empower you to do the ones that will walk through. And our next family day is going to be particularly around youth. Our youth between 13 and kind of 18-year-olds. And we're going to pray over you guys. Let's reach out a hand, and we're going to pray over these under-25s that God is with us, and He's with you. Father, we thank you that you are speaking to us as a community. We say to you in our hearts, Lord, we hear what the Spirit is saying to the church at this time. And Father, we respond. And Father, we ask you right now, by the power of your Spirit, your anointing to fall on all these young people. We want to thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are for them in every way. We thank you, Lord, that you will bring upon encounters upon them. I pray you start dreaming in the night. You start, the Lord starts speaking to you as you read the word. He starts giving you utterances. He starts speaking clarity over your hearts and your minds. We speak over you that you would be open to the things of the Spirit, that as you encounter the Lord, you will never be the same again. And I speak that over every one of your hearts, that you have a voice. The generation going ahead of you will not silence you. We are not silencing you. We want to hear you. We want to raise you up. We want to see you know the ways of the King. 
and understand the love the Father has for you. Because we're in a fatherless generation, fatherless time, that you would know the love of the Father that would speak over you and you'd know courage in your hearts together. Let's all stand together. Amen. On, on Friday, I don't know if you remember a couple of weeks ago, I said you've got to hold me accountable because I felt God said I had to write a decree. And at the time, I thought it was about load shedding. And God was like, that is so not what you're writing about. It's about it's that small fry compared to what's going on. And to be honest, I put it off and put it off. And then Matt Rockhill got hold of me last week and he said, you need to start writing these decrees. It's been a rough week, and Friday was particularly rough. And I'd, I'd picked up Ella from um, school in Fishwick, and we were driving along Boys Drive. And um, I always look out over the ocean because it's beautiful, but something made me look to the left, and there was a car parked there, and its number plate said, Declare. And I, as I drove, I just, God just spoke. He was like, daughter, declare, daughter, declare. And it's always in those moments when you don't even want to open your mouth that he tells you, declare. And so... Sheldon and I have actually put this decree together, and I just want to point out from what Helen has said to what Ray has said and to this dream that this lady had, it's all linked, guys. This decree is over South Africa. This is not about this guy coming and he's this American and he's going, no, he is just delivering the word of the Lord for South Africa for such a time. And God is allowing it to happen out of this house. It doesn't make us any better than any other house, but we have a responsibility to steward it because we are the ecclesia and we are the ecclesia that legislate in this country. So this is what this decree is about. So here we go. Um, we took it out of um, Isaiah 60, verses 1 to 3, and I'm just going to read it. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you, and nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. I didn't just pick that because it sounded great. The Holy Spirit told me to. Okay, here we go. <laughs> we decree today that South Africa, it is your time to arise and shine. For the light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. We as the Ecclesia take our rightful place as a legislative body and we decree that the thick darkness which covers our land is to be lifted in Jesus' name. All demonic assignments through witchcraft, ancestral worship, corruption and violence are to be stopped in the name of Jesus. We decree that the light of our Lord has come to our land today. And South Africa, you have now entered into your prophetic destiny. We decree that the heart of this nation be opened in the spirit to receive heaven's plans and strategies. We release righteousness, truth, peace, unity, and justice to flow like rivers into our land today. We destroy all the works of the enemy to strangle and cripple South Africa and its people. We decree heaven's order over all government structures and entities today.
We say, South Africa, you will birth the next revival and fulfill your destiny. Nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Nunkosi Sikalele e Africa. Waza Moya. Waza Moya. God bless Africa. Come, Spirit, come. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Father, we thank you that your heart is for this nation. We say to you, as your people, we respond to what you're saying to your church at this time and this hour, being a generational God, and that our children's children will know the goodness of our God and continue walking and arising in the power of our King. Amen.